0: You're listening to Food for the Future on 980 CFPL, Curious Cast and where you get your podcasts. Here's your host, Peggy O'Neill. I'm Peggy O'Neill, host of Food for the Future, a weekly podcast that brings the humanities to today's food dialogue by showcasing everyday people trying to make a difference. This show is part of the Our World series, featuring stories from agri-food leaders who spend their lives contributing to Unity for Humanity. Today, we're speaking with Jocelyn Brown-Hall, Director of the United Nations Food and Agriculture Organization, North America Liaison Office, about World Food Day coming up on October 16th. Welcome, Jocelyn.
1: Thank you so much for having me, Peggy. It's really a pleasure.
0: It's a pleasure to have you here. Thank you so much for joining us. World Food Day is coming up in two days. How long have we been observing this day?
1: Well, we've been observing this day almost 80 years. I think it's 78 coming up, and it's one of the longest standing observations um, in the United Nations systems, Becky.
0: So really, really important to everyone to run that long, but to have started that early. How did World Food Day come about? Well, World Food
1: Day is actually birthday. It's October 16th, and it's the birthday of the Food and Agriculture Organization of the United Nations, which was actually founded in Quebec, Canada. In 1945, after the World War II, and it was a acknowledgement amongst 44, at that point, member states of FAO. We now have over 190 members, but it was an acknowledgement that the global leadership needed to come together and address global hunger. And I think they saw the ravages of the war and recognized the importance of agriculture and food and coming together as a global community to address it.
0: So, the human family wanted more for all members of the family. And so, we've been coming together, as you say, 78 years, almost 80. This year's theme is water and its role in agri food. And where did this theme come from?
1: Well, a little lone thing about agriculture that we have discovered in FAO is that people don't realize that 70% of freshwater use is agriculture. It's really important to address agriculture and have agriculture in the discussions when we're talking about water use. We're really facing um, a lot of different things. Um, there's now growing uh, floods or uh, and, and floods at historic levels. So we really felt that in FAO that we had to address water and agriculture uh, because it was affecting so many people's livelihoods, the ability to eat. And in, in some parts of the world, say in Somalia, water is more important than gold is. And it we just felt like we had to address it as part of our mandate.
0: So pressing uh, issue for humanity, it is World Food Day, but we're looking at it through the lens of water. And you mentioned floods, and certainly in BC, we've seen that recently, New York has seen water levels that ha- are almost unprecedented. So certainly an important topic to look at for World Food Day coming up on October the 16th. So there's always a theme, it is Water Day, but there's sub themes to that. And one of the day's emphasis this year coming up is water is life. What activities are underway to honor this?
1: Well, in FAO, we are the global experts on agriculture. And so obviously things like voting canal building and water management, um, even in my home country of the United States, there's significant issues around water management, um, what's going into the water or how the water is being metered, for example. So FAO does a lot of work in country offices uh, throughout Africa, uh, Latin America and Asia uh, and Middle East in terms of promoting good water practices. There are also, if you'd like to go to our website, there's going to be a whole number of webinars and discussions with experts, different approaches, different technologies that have come up around water. So you're welcome. We would love for your listeners to go to our website, FAO.org, up until October 16th and even after it, uh, to look at all the different ways that uh, we are addressing water, whether it be scarcity, abundance, or governance.
0: There's a lot of great speakers lined up, quite a few that I'm going to be listening into the UNFAO website, World Food Day, and you'll be able to find who the speakers are and what other activities are planned. There are many. And also how you can not just listen to that and learn about that, but understand and and observe World Food Day in your own communities. I know communities across the world are doing their own unique expressions for World Food Day, and it's wonderful to connect. So definitely go to the website and see what's planned for World Food Day. Water is food is another focus for World Food Day this year. And can you expand on this?
1: Well, without water, we can't grow our food, right? So we really want to make sure that agriculture is part of the water discussion and that people acknowledge the importance of of measuring, of governing, of uh, preserving, conserving water is part of our activities. So we need fresh water. We need clean water. A lot of foods are... Uh, made up pre- predominantly of water. So what we're doing um, in the Around the World Food Day, as you mentioned, is we have three different fora going on. One is a fora around a youth and how youth can participate in youth all around the world, whether it be in Lapland, um, in the Scandinavian area, or um, indigenous youth from Brazil, or even Burma uh, or Myanmar. Uh, coming together to talk about how they're addressing uh, water issues. We also have um, a science and innovation forum so that scientists can come together and uh, describe and share with each other their approaches around water. And then finally, we have an investment forum to match investors with science and innovation or with countries that are exper- experiencing drought that, that where investors can come in.
0: I think that's a really important point that strategic development, but also the funding piece. One other piece I want to pick up on what you just said is the uh, Junior World Food Day, you've got a lot happening for youth this year. And tell us a little bit more about that.
1: So this is a time when we bring together youth activists from all around the world in the area of food and agriculture. And of course, that's an enormous area. It doesn't just have to be producers. It can be processors. It can be uh, marketers. It can be transporters, storage, all those kinds of things. But youth that are coming in who are leaders in their area and and we bring them in together to discuss what they've been doing. Um, so for example, I'm supporting uh, some indigenous youth. Uh, I think there's a couple from Canada and one from the United States uh, about how they do um, biorestorative agriculture there and to bring those pra- practices to the forefront um, and demonstrate them, have a forum for people to hear them and understand what they're doing. Um, but this is happening all over. Um, we have uh, offices in 130 countries and we're bringing youth from these countries that cover 194 countries. So we'll bring them together And just that energy and that joy and that sense of optimism, I think is so important for people such as myself who are, uh, maybe in a more mature stage of our career to just feel that optimism and youth, um, to, you know, to find solutions to what are sometimes very daunting and, and even for me, overwhelming problems.
0: So it's a really great networking and a way to connect people who are interested in the same things, maybe different views, different parts of the world, but the common purpose of you know having this life on earth that we share be really something that um, we keep reaching for. So that's really, really great. I think one of the most important messages in this year's theme is leave no one behind for World Food Day coming up on October 16th. So leave no one behind. How can each of us contribute to this?
1: In the world right now, places like Sudan, Somalia, Ethiopia, Haiti, Afghanistan, and even in Ukraine, we have almost a quarter of a billion people who are in desperate uh, desperate need of food, people who, who need to be rehabilitated with things like ready-to-use therapeutic foods and things like that. So we have a quarter of a billion people um, in that stage. We have another 750 million people. Who are chronically undernourished, don't have enough food, and this is a chronic situation. So they may have experienced wasting and stunting. So we have three quarters of a billion people who are, again, you know, not necessarily on the verge of catastrophic situation, but really not having a, a healthy life because of lack of food. But then the, the statistic that really upsets me is that. According to surveys that we do, we have 2.5 billion people who have to use coping strategies to um, get their food, Um, even in the United States, and I'm sad to say even in Canada, this is true, where people will skip meals. Um, If they're on some sort of government assistance programs, they might be opting for cheaper foods that might be less nutritional um, that are important, staples and things like that, but you don't, you can't really get a healthy diet on uh, an exclusive diet of any kind of staple and things like that. So those are the three categories. What can we do? Well, first of all, one of the things about World Food Day is that we're trying to shine a light on this. We wanna make sure that we have World Food Day just to remind people of that their basic uh, hunger is still out there at various levels. Mm-hmm. The second thing, people can do is um, advocate for hunger, right? And what we're trying to do, we have a a theme called agriculture is humanitarian assistance. So it's very expensive to get direct food to people. It's important, many, many countries where we're working throughout Africa don't have, um, there's no food on the market or it's very expensive and they can't, the people that we're trying to target can't access it. So the direct food assistance, an important tool in the toolkit. What's also important is giving the people who are in these stress situations, because 80% of the people who are food insecure live in rural communities and are agrarian-based, to give them things like seeds, uh, fertilizer, maybe a little bit of drip irrigation, you know, hose with some holes in it, um, uh, some livestock, some small ruminants, just at the same time that we're giving them direct food assistance. And we have seen particularly in countries such as Afghanistan and Ethiopia, where people, if they're given some power over their own ability to grow their own food, there actually is more gains. They have more gains in in food security, and they have more gains in economic empowerment. I'll I'll give you just two quick examples, if I may, Peggy. Mm -hmm. Um, In Afghanistan, we can, if we give a, a wheat package, some wheat seeds that are certified for that country and their soils there, a little bit of fertilizer, maybe a sheep, um, we can feed a family of seven for about $220 a year. Wow! Feeding a family of seven at that same amount would be thousands of dollars more if we did direct food assistance. There was a siege, basically, of Tigray, which is a portion of Ethiopia. There was a, a time when there was a blockade and no food could get in. We were able to get farmers um, vegetable seeds, wheat seeds, or teff seeds. And um, they could grow it themselves and actually no food could come in because there was a blockade. So we actually saved almost a million people, million households um, with this uh, approach of agricultural humanitarian assistance. So I hope those examples are helpful to you, Peggy.
0: It's really helpful and it is encouraging because it is daunting, you know, um, everywhere we turn. It's part of why I called the show food for the future. We keep kind of hearing, well, there's no future, no future with climate, no future. The human family's not coming together, you know, no future. But when we hear the scale of impact, you know, a million people saved because of agriculture in an area where there was, um, conflict or, or challenging situations that, it's strategies, it's actual ways that we can do things. And so knowing about it and having things like World Food Day and you join us on our show, thank you so much, Jocelyn, is so helpful. At home, what can we do? Sure. You know, if we
1: are mindful about what we're doing at the consumer level, um, we personally can change um, 40% of the waste um, that's going into uh, the, the waste right now. And I will say, it's a little bit of a weird concept, but bear with me here. If food loss and waste were its own country, it would be the third largest greenhouse gas emitter in the world. Just making some small choices in their lives that can have a major impact.
0: Thank you so much for all the incredible information that you've uh, shared with us before the break. We're going to go to break, and we'll be back. After the break, we'll discuss the social significance of World Food Day with Jocelyn Brown Hall, Director of the United Nations Food and Agriculture Organization, North American Liaison Office. This is Food for the Future, and I'm your host, Peggy O'Neill. Welcome back to Food for the Future on 980 CFPL. Curious Casts, and where you get your podcasts. Welcome back. I'm your host Peggy O'Neill. You're listening to Food for the Future. We're speaking with Jocelyn Brown-Hall about World Food Day coming up on October 16th. Jocelyn, we've talked a lot about what's planned for World Food Day. We've talked a lot about the urgency on why it is we observe World Food Day. What's the social significance of World Food Day?
1: We all have food as our culture, right? And people talk about food and getting around the kitchen table. They talk about going out for dinner. Food is just such a, it's woven in the fabric. And then People don't realize that, boy, that food, as you from research to the seeds that go in the production, all the way to the consumption, all of the different things that are happening and going on in that. So the social significance is who's producing the food, is it are the, are the wages fair to that? So we've had we had a report that came out in April that demonstrates that globally uh, over thirty. 3% of women are involved in agriculture and get um, earn income from food. And that's globally, whereas in places like Africa, it's um, over 60 70%. So the social significance, there's so much that happens when a, a food actually comes to your table, all of these things, who has prepared it, who has harvested it? Are the living wages fair? Was it good for the environment? There's actually a, a movement now in the United Nations called the sustainable agrofood systems, which is talking about where the wages fair, where the conditions safe, where there children for, um, getting you know preparing for youth under 18. Um, so that's the significance of little Food Day to really understand what is going into our food that we take for granted. We just go to the grocery store and get it, but What happens with that piece of, of, you know, that avocado or that acai smoothie or that piece of chicken? So that's the social significance of World Food Day.
0: Really important message. You know, we've been talking about the food system. We've been talking about the food itself, but important to remember the people in the system and uh, really thank them also on World Food Day for doing everything that they do. We get a real feeling of unity when we contribute in our schools and communities and businesses to World Food Day. It really brings a lot of hope. And I'd like to know, Jocelyn, what's one of your most hopeful moments in the work that you do?
1: Uh, Peggy, you know, as much as I talked about, um, we don't want to focus on our problems, actually every day I am given hope by the solutions that we come to. And I want to tie back a little bit to the systems idea that we have that, you know, agriculture touches so many parts of our life. If you eat it, if you breathe it, if you drink it, if you wear it, probably comes from the land or was grown or things like that. So I find hope in things like a farmer being, um, you know, being intentional about a circular economy, which I uh, and having their their farm be circular. I find hope in breakthroughs around um, science, like uh, the CRISPR technology, where you can change genes. You can turn genes on and off and and really enhance sort of disease resistance. There's an infinite areas of hope. If we can address the agriculture part of uh, our systems, whether it be economic, uh, climactic um, or social, we really can crack the code here on climate change.
0: I think that's such an important message, really understanding how central agriculture is to really all life, really honoring the people in the system. In this show, we try to bring the humanities, which includes leadership, to today's Food Dialogue. And how does leadership in our everyday lives impact the world and particularly World Food Day?
1: Well, I think it's, you know, hugely important. So in the United Nations, we uh, talk about the importance of countries adopting certain policies or that there's, you know, guidelines and the best way to do it. And then we need to do it ourselves. We have a paperless offices. We have composting in our offices so that we really walk the walk because it's, you know, you're going to have cognitive dissonance if your message is, say, um, don't waste your food, but then you see dumpsters of food behind a U.N. office. So we really try to show leadership um, in, in our everyday. When we say, oh, countries should be doing this or people should be doing that, our institutions have to adhere to these same things as well. So we all carry water bottles in our office, for example, so that we don't throw away plastic. These little points of leadership, I think, are so important, for city that the leaders are walking in the walk.
0: And that authentic leadership, that what you're saying is what you're doing, about walking the walk and not just, you know, talking the talk. So really good point. This show is called Food for the Future. We've been talking about World Food Day. We've talked a lot of challenges, but we've been talking about a lot about hope. What can we do right now to build a brighter way forward together?
1: Our cultures are so steeped in agriculture and the the cuisines that we have around it, but also it affects so many sectors social environmental economics so being mindful as a consumer um, what am I what am I buying every day where am I where's that spirit going do I really need to buy that? You know, that um, case of plastic bottles or whatever it is, or can I use um, something that's uh, glass-based or, you know, more sustainable than that? Can I advocate for recycling programs or for um, food waste programs in my community? Do my restaurants have to give their food to uh, people without less foods, or is there any regulation or, or law around that? So there's so many different ways. I know it sounds silly and it sounds really small and, and, a, and a drop in the ocean, but boy, if we all put those drops together you <laughs> can really affect change.
0: That's a wonderful, wonderful way to finish off the show. Do you have any final comments that you'd like to share?
1: First of all, uh, thank you again, Peggy. And just note, your listeners might not know this, but Canada is really a leader on so many aspects of agriculture. I and mean, one of them is in the area of women in agriculture. And then also uh, in the last year, Canada alone has uh, been the country that has supported the global fund on diversity. We, um, this is the biodiversity, talking about the importance of the biodiversity, and then just recently in, um, in Vancouver, uh, the Global Environment Fund. So really talking about how the environment and inter- agriculture intersect. So it's a wonderful country with some wonderful leadership. And I'm just so delighted that I get to spend time to talk to you and your listeners. And I just want to thank you again.
0: Thank you so much, Jocelyn, for um, all that you do. And for um, reminding us in Canada about our long history. You had mentioned 78 years ago it was in Quebec. Of course, the world all agreed, so it wasn't just Canada. But Canada kicked off the FAO and World Food Day, but also all the things that we're doing today. And this show are funded by women in agriculture. Burnbrae Farms are our platinum elite sponsor. And their are three sisters who run um, the the company nationwide. And uh, I couldn't admire them more. So thank you for reminding us the things that we can be happy about on World Food Day and grateful for, not just all the challenges that we need to overcome. So thank you. Thank you, Jocelyn, to you and your entire team at the FAO, Food and Agriculture Organization, for the heart and the help that you bring to us all around the world on World Food Day. And I am uplifted thinking about what you do. So thank you for being here. Thank you, Peggy. Today on Food for the Future, we've been speaking with Jocelyn Brown-Hall from the United Nations Food and Agriculture Organization, North America Liaison Office, about World Food Day coming up on October 16th. Each week to keep leading together in agri-food, we leave you and your family or friends with something to talk about and something to do. Something to talk about. What could you do to contribute to World Food Day, not just on October 16th, but year round? Something to do. Search World Food Day 2023 to learn more about the individual leadership going on in communities across the world for global encouragement. Next week on the show, we return to the monthly series, Food for Thought. We'll hear big ideas about celebrating rural life in agriculture. Don't miss a show. Subscribe on Curious Cast and other major podcast platforms. I'm your host, Peggy O'Neill, and you've been listening to the weekly podcast, Food for the Future. Thank you to our Platinum Elite Level Sponsor, Burn Bray Farms, Eggs for Life. Food for the Future with Peggy O'Neill airs every Saturday on 980 CFPL. Curious Cast, and where you get your podcasts.